Welcome to another episode of the Elon's Geek Podcast. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, a card game and, in general, card game etiquette. Jake and I just uh, finished a game of Age of Sigmar Champions. Uh, it was not my first game, but it was his first. Uh, since we're both pretty revved up about that, uh, I guess we'll jump into that first. Uh, first impressions, Jake? Where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> um... I was surprised at how good of a game this was. I was expecting some throwaway attempt at a card at cashing in on uh, the card game market. I was not expecting a really fun, fast-paced kind of adrenaline pumping game. Yes, <laughs> it is very quick without necessarily feeling rushed. Yeah, um, and thematically appropriate. Yes. All the cards are very distinctive between the four factions, which the four factions of the game are order, chaos, death, and destruction. Mostly they are geared towards the Stormcast, demons, and chaos warriors for chaos, um, vampire counts and ghouls for the death, and orcs mostly for destruction. Since that's where most of the destruction attention for the game goes, is orcs anyway. Yes. I'm hoping in the future they'll put out some ogre stuff. I'd be interested to see what they did with uh, Beastmen for Chaos. Yes. Uh, there aren't any yet. As for, well, I think there is a Korngor or something. In, well, if, they, in if they're if they planning on adding more and more to it, they did just come out with the Beasts of Chaos army book. Mm-hmm. So we very well might see minotaurs and gores and yeah uh, there's only i think a couple hundred different cards in this game i think it's 270 something cards between four factions and generic yeah stuff and that's counting all your blessings and champions and everything i think my favorite thing about this game was it was not clear who was going to win until the last turn yes it, it can swing pretty hard <laughs> i think we we had two Funny. major swings yes because we were, like, like, at the beginning of the game, we were kind of neck and neck. We'd, like, like, lose a little bit of life, gain a little bit of life, back and forth. And then we had one big, like, you came in and you knocked me down. I think you did something close to, like, eight damage in one turn. Yeah. And then had a card set up to where I was going to take two damage every turn for the rest of the game. Yes. And the next turn, I gained, like... Over the, next, over the next couple of turns, I gained like six life and then took you from, I think, 20 to one. Yeah, we, we had roughly the same sort of numerical uh, damage handed out to our opponents, but Chaos doesn't gain life very well. <laughs> Whereas Order is okay at it. I just got some well-timed damage prevention and life gain that turned the game back around Yes, and went from... So it went from tie game to me clearly losing to Joseph basically lost. <laughs> yes. So I don't know that I, st- I, you know, I... Actually, I know I didn't tell you this uh, when I was explaining the game initially, but uh, the deck is exactly 30 cards. can't have more than three copies of anything, and you can't use more than one of the same blessing at the same time. Okay. A so, lot less uh, shenanigans. Yes, so you can't have two or three healing storms in the same deck. Yeah. Or Path of Blood. <laughs> Which both of those uh, are ridiculous cards, yes. so that's that's for the best. <laughs> and, that, and that's the nice thing about the, the 
blessings is that they are really powerful effects, so it feels like what it's supposed to be, a reward from a god to this particular champion. (laughs) As opposed to some games where it's just like, your rewards throughout the game, and you guys can't see it, but I'm throwing up quotation marks around rewards, (laughs) are just not worth what you have to go through a lot of the time. Yes. Well, and a lot of the card effects reward... They they function best. They kind of reward you for playing thematically. Yes. So you throw some random elves into a deck that has nothing but Stormcast champions. They're not going to work very well. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of cards that uh, can only be played by Stormcast champions... There's a bunch of the, 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 the Night Heralders effects only work on Stormcast units. Mm-hmm. There's a there's several things in the Death Faction that only vampires can play. In the Destruction Faction, there is a uh, Grot, or whatever they call the goblins now, unit that has the stacking mechanic, so it can be played on top of something else, but it gets, I think it deals two extra damage for each support orc that it has. Huh. So stacking mostly only shows up, in fact, I think it currently only shows up in death and destruction factions. Um, The destruction has a lot more of it, and it's generally, let's see, there's several different orc units that increase their damage output by one for every support that they have, which you can only have two support at most. Um, There's an orc that... If it has support 2, it deals uh, all its damage as rend damage, so it can't be prevented. Um, and then there's that other uh, gremlin or goblin unit that gets 2 extra damage for every support, but it has to be a support orc. Hmm. Uh, one of the goblin wolf chariot type things can only be played onto a stack of 2 cards. So it has to be the third card on the stack to even get it, but it, it puts out a fairly good amount of damage, as I recall. Downside, it is a collectible card game format, so you have random boosters. On the upside, though, there's an app form of it that is free-to-play, and at least at the time that I downloaded it, uh, which was right after the the physical game came out, if you can beat the computer, the the AI, the program, using the little starter deck that it builds for you, then it gives you the starter deck for free into your collection. And there's a lot of achievements that you unlock by, you know, win three games or play 30 destruction cards, stuff like that. There's a lot of achievements you can get that give you mini booster packs or free digital booster packs. So you can actually play the digital form of the game for free if you're willing to work with a fairly small and slow-growing number of cards. And one of the nice things comparing this to a game that shall not be named, when we're talking <laughs> about the collectible card uh, setup, you said there's only like 207 cards in the collection? Uh, 270. 270. So there's a lot of cards, but 270 compared to some other games, it's a lot easier to find what you're looking for. You're more, you have a better chance of finding what you're looking for in a pool of 270 cards than in a pool, or rather than in three separate pools that each have 150 to 200 cards in. Yes. 
Plus, I have a feeling these aren't going to become illegal anytime soon. Probably not. The other nice thing with regards to the digital game is that when you get physical cards, the app can scan them and it identifies the cards and adds them to your digital collection. So whatever you get physically, you also have digitally. That's awesome. Yeah. So there's even more incentive to do both, kind of. Because um, you can... Because you're only buying them once, but you get to use them in two different formats. Yes, it's not like that other game where uh, my physical collection exists, but it doesn't exist in the digital. I have to buy those cards all over again. Uh, the quest mechanic. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. The idea of uh, your your champions are there to do something, and as they accomplish the pieces of their quest, they slowly rotate until they earn a blessing from their god. Yes, and how the... Or in Nagash's case, from himself. Because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit of an odd one. Um, and how the, the, the champions all have different uh, quest requirements. That, you know, some of them, like this uh, bloody vampire queen, she has to play a unit, but because she's a warrior and a wizard, she also has later on, for her last step, she has to play a spell. Whereas, like, the hungering vampire lord never actually has to play a spell, even though he is a wizard and a warrior. But then you have, like, Vandis Hammerhand, where it's deal damage and then uh, deploy a unit and then remove a unit and then... Deal damage again. Yeah, and then deal damage again. (laughs) Yeah. So they're they're fairly fitting to what the character is supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, Vandis is a dude riding on what is essentially a wingless dragon swinging a hammer around, charging into the battle. He he kills things. (laughs) Nice simple number of card types, I thought. Yeah. Just spells, units, abilities. You can only play spells if you have a wizard. You can only play units if you have a warrior. And... You're rewarded for having both. (laughs) Yes. Um, Now, you don't have to have both, though. I have actually, uh, while playing online, encountered decks that, especially for destruction, that seems to be a very popular thing, is all warrior. All warrior destruction. And they manage some insane damage output because orc stuff, in particular, plays very, very fast. That makes sense. And so having four warriors means they can just get all, All the, the stuff out really quick. They don't have to worry about getting a spell to do, you know, some protection or anything on themselves. They just they just have to hit you fast enough. Offense is the best uh, defense kind of strategy, which yes. makes perfect sense for an orc war boss. I also ran into a all wizard chaos deck. Now that was the one I was thinking. There's there's I guess with chaos because you can demon summon. Yeah. Well, and this guy never played a unit in the whole game. He just had all of the chaos spells. And the generic spells. Huh. Because um, Chaos has at least one really bad spell. like you, One that you really, really, really don't want to ever go off. It's got four corners to it. So four corner values. Um, the first three of them are X. Yeah, I don't have a physical copy of it. It does ten damage on its fourth corner. But it also does three damage to the Chaos player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of... Uh... The phrase reckless hate from Lord of the Rings comes to mind against the Chaos deck, because it's it did a lot of damage to me, but you did almost as much damage to yourself as I did to oh, you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, 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 there is a lot of self-inflicted harm with Chaos, but uh, a lot of it 
when it when you get the right cards in hand, <laughs> uh, it works out really well for you because they have a lot of last stand abilities that typically deal damage to their opponent. So one trick is to you know play a character that deals out some damage and it has a last damage or a last stand effect that you know say does two damage to your opponent, and then play a reckless juggernaut next to it once it's on its last corner and it's not going to do anything anymore anyway. So the reckless juggernaut comes in. It removes a, a, a unit to the left or right of it from play, which then triggers the last stand. There was also that one blessing that I didn't get during our game that gives all of your all of your units the last stand effect of having you draw a card and gain two life. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, which, of course, last stand doesn't go off unless it's unless the the car- the unit is removed by a removal effect. Uh, which is, if they exhaust. Which is one thing that's really nice about that. Uh, there's one of the Stormcast Blessings, where what it does is you get to draw a card whenever a Stormcast unit is... whenever a Stormcast unit leaves play. Yeah. Like, it doesn't so, have to be removed, so whenever it just cycles out the way it normally does, you mm-hmm. get to draw a card. Yep. Yeah, I've, and whenever a Stormcast exits that little slot that you play it into, it goes away. Um, <clears throat> one other small complaint... I feel like about this is that the starter decks, the physical starter decks come with these little mats that help you track your health and uh, arrange the cards in the right way so that you can keep them organized well. It's kind of hard to do that without the mat. Yeah. I've tried it. <laughs> uh, and, and at that point, I, I already knew how to play the game. And it's, it's just a little bit hard to organize physically in the space that you have. But um, that's a pretty small hurdle, I think. And I'm sure that if this game really does get popular, we'll start seeing those, um, like the mouse pad style mats. Oh, yeah. Which will have a lot more survivability than the paper ones that come in them. Yeah. And actually, it occurs to me that uh, Ink Gaming, you can, you can make your own images and have them print them on bags and mats and stuff. Oh, yeah. And so you can actually design your, your own, own. <laughs> to do the same job but take up a little less space and be a lot more durable. I like the size of the cards. Yep. They're the, that they're that generic card game mm-hmm. size that fits into almost any card sleeve. Yep. Instead Standard of, American card game. <laughs> instead of some games that decide that they've got to be different, and so they change up the sizes. and Yeah. Uh, what is it? Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, I think, uses the, the narrower Japanese format mm-hmm. cards. It's nice to know that whatever sleeves you have, you can just... Use them. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't feel like giving you that additional hurdle. One other uh, real nitpick that uh, our friend Karsten pointed out to me, the backs are hideous. The card backs are... It's basically a business card. Yeah, yeah, it, is. it really is. <laughs> it's, it's not an aesthetically pleasing card back, but... But I feel like, well. the, <laughs> I feel like the art on the other side really makes up for it. Yeah, they, they have very nice art. I recognize a good amount of it from the old uh, Warhammer Fantasy books, like uh, yeah. the Bloody Vampire Queen's art is Isabella von Karstein. Yeah, the Hungering Vampires used to be the cover of the... Yep, that was the 6th, I think, edition? I think so. But, I mean, GW's always had fantastic art. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there is one other upside to the, uh, the the physical decks that I forgot to mention, and that is the blessing cards that exist. Okay, a little bit more explaining to do. In the app, whenever you get a duplicate of a card that puts you above the maximum number, 
it cashes it in for souls. And souls, you can't use those to buy digital boosters, but you can use them to create other cards in your digital collection. There is one blessing card for each faction that... Okay, most cards, your commons, will have a soul cost of 100. Uh, some of the rarer stuff will be 300, 400 uh, to create one of. There is one blessing in each faction that is, I think, 2,500 souls to make. Oh. And that's because, basically, they don't want you to make that one, because that one comes in the starter deck. <laughs> and they're all really good. <laughs> so in this case, uh, this is, uh, I'm going to give you this one to uh, read and uh, describe, but it's the Orb of Immortality. It comes in the Death Starter. All right, so you ignore any damage from a highlighted enemy or ally that would defeat you. Instead, gain four health and expire this blessing. And it has all four columns lit up <laughs> for both sides. Yes. So if anyone, you or your opponent, would kill you, and from any of their positions, whether it's their champions or their blessings or their units or whatever, if anything would kill you, instead you gain four health. Yes. And because it doesn't say prevent the damage, it says ignore it, Rend doesn't bypass this. So any damage from any source, no matter what, that would kill you, Orb of Immortality effectively turns it into gain four life. That's really good. <laughs> and... You take that card, and you scan it into the app, and then, oh, you have that 2,500 soul blessing in the digital version, too. <laughs> they seem to be giving a good amount of support to both formats. And there's a cat who's feeling unsupported. So moving on to the uh, what was kind of supposed to be our main topic, uh, uh, card game tournament etiquette. What made me think of this was Gen Con where I, uh, this year, per participated in my first tournament at a Gen Con. Uh, this is only, I think, the second time that I've gone. So I didn't do anything last time. <laughs> this time, I did all the things. Um, had a good time, mostly, but there were a couple of people that I played against, and I signed up for the casual tournaments. There was one guy in particular who made it very unpleasant <laughs> to play in this tournament. And it... We were in, I think, the second-to-last round, and we were paired up because we had lost all of our games so far. So he had no chance of winning the prizes that you needed to get a certain number of wins or points to get, anyway. Uh, but So logically, he was, he was in a position where logically one would just relax and play the game because you're not going to get a prize. Yeah. Or quit. Yeah. <laughs> If you were only there to try to score the prizes. Right. Yeah, he, he constantly told me what my cards do while I was telling him what they do, or would interrupt me while I was telling him what I was doing to demand to see the card. He basically did all but outright accuse me of cheating every single time I did anything. Ugh. And also was just... I don't, I don't know precisely how to say it, really, but he, he made it very clear that he felt he was too good to be playing against me, and he just wanted it to be over with. Then quit. <laughs> yeah. So, etiquette. Uh, you know, proper behavior in a card game tournament. And this is assuming, of course, that you're playing at either 
a big venue like Gen Con where everybody's a visitor, or even a, just something small like a local you know, Friday Night Magic tournament, but you're playing against somebody that you don't know. And this is the you're sort playing of competitive. maximum incentive for etiquette, I feel like. You're playing against somebody you've never played against before, and but you're also at your most competitive. For me, one thing that I like to remind people of when it comes to any kind of game is the fact that it's a game. That means that it is something that is designed for people to have fun. Your purpose for being there, for playing in that specific tournament, might be to win money or to win prizes or whatever, but you are playing a game which was designed for everyone to have fun playing. Maybe remember that. I'm not saying I'm I'm not going to go so far as to say that, you know, there's a 100% objectively correct way to play any game. There are some where there are, but as a general rule, I'm not going to say that there's a 100% objective attitude, objectively positive, objectively correct attitude to have when you go into a tournament. Yeah, and it depends on the level of the tournament. But yeah. I I feel like there kind of is <laughs> sort of an objectively Good standard practices, like one thing I've run to run into mostly in miniatures games, is my opponent immediately bombarding me with the description of everything that their models do. I don't want to know that. Yeah, I appreciate what they're trying to do, though. Keep your opponent informed of what you're doing, and so I feel like it is courteous and proper to when you're sitting down to play a game at some kind of competitive event to. Tell your opponent, hey, if there's anything you don't know, don't recognize, anything you want to read, just point it out to me. Yeah, no, because that's totally then I'm fair. not sitting here going, this does this and this does this, and trying to explain my whole deck to you. But it's giving your opponent permission to do what they are allowed to do anyway, which is get the information that's yes. on the table. I was thinking more, when I was saying there's no correct way, I'm not going to say that there's a correct way to play, I'm thinking more about there are going to be people that it's it's a tournament, which means that if you want to play a cutthroat playstyle, mm-hmm. if you want to, you know, what I call cheesehead it and take advantage of every loophole and do everything that you can to win as long as you're playing within the rules, you're, I don't want to play with you. Right. But you're not wrong for that. Okay, yeah. That was more where I was going on that one. But when I'm talking about remember that other people are here to have fun too, I'm thinking more the the attitude like you were describing where it's let me play the game, don't let me make don't put me on trial. Right. <laughs> um, and I think you know even when you're in a, a high level competitive event, um, a I don't know what they actually call them in Magic, <laughs> because I'm not that good. Um, but uh, like in Legend of the Five Rings, uh, Grand Cote events, if you're playing in the main tournament of that, even if you're in the third stage, the, the, the daimyo stage, where you're playing against somebody who's been undefeated over the course of, I think, nine rounds, just assume and remind yourself that everyone has different levels of experience playing the game and someone could conceivably get pretty far in a tournament if there's a small turnout and if they're just a bit lucky and have a well-built deck and granted i think you should only be so forgiving of repeated mistakes especially if you're in that late stage 
Uh, High tier. Yeah, of an event. But, you know, the first, if it's a tournament that takes place over several days, day one, you should just kind of let things slide. By all means, correct your opponent when they do something wrong, which was another thing that came up in that game against that particularly unpleasant player was he tried to do something that was illegal, and I pointed it out, and he got very upset about it. <laughs> I've never played at, like, a big Gen Con I've I've only ever done, like, like Friday Night Magic type stuff. Mm-hmm. But I am astounded by, from, like, what I've heard about people who have watched, like, Magic Worlds, mm-hmm. and from even, like, like video game tournaments where people have gone to, like, like, like national level or worlds level and things like that. Like, League of Legends Worlds... The people that go to Worlds are apparently some of the nicest, most courteous gamers you'll encounter. Mm-hmm. Which is absolutely ridiculous if you know anything about the League of Legends fandom. <laughs> because the, you can do a quick Google search and you will be bombarded with memes about how awful and toxic that community is. Hmm. But when you get into the professional level, they're, they're just that. They're professional. They're very polite. They are good sportsmen they don't you know scream at each other for screwing up they support one another on their team while they might make some jokes at their opponent's expense it's never something hurtful it's teasing because their opponent did something stupid or it's trying to get a rise out of their opponents their opponent doesn't think very clearly basic psychological warfare kind of stuff and you see that again in worlds in like these big world tournaments but then you go to like the small scale stuff and People just kind of let their garbage out. Oh, uh, another behavior that has no excuse to exist. Um, And it's actually in most tournament regulations, even under the Code of Conduct, will be forcefully uh, slapping cards down onto the table and stuff. You know, being obviously aggressive. Yes. Because typically that's going to be because you're losing and you're pissed off. Well, okay, that's frustrating, but it's a game. somebody has to lose. Even if you're taking a serious or competitive approach to it, somebody has to lose. And in just about all card games and just about all other games, there is no perfect setup that you can have. Everything's vulnerable to something. And in this case, it was Legend of the Five Rings. Um, just after... Let's see, we had just gotten all of the elemental cycle out. So we had two cycles worth of cards plus core set and the Phoenix clan pack. So still a fairly small pool of cards to pull from, but enough different factions and tactics and things that there is no perfect build. Right. And there never will be in that game. And so you have to remind yourself regularly that sometimes you're just going to take a kicking. (laughs) And... Just try to have fun with it at that point. Yeah. And one thing that I struggle to remind myself of when I'm getting my guts kicked out by somebody who is way better of a player than me, like I did in almost every round of all four tournaments. <laughs> I didn't. Well, I signed up for four tournaments. I think I dropped pretty early in the second one because I knew I was going to be obnoxious. And so I dropped out because I had had a very bad morning. So I said, you know what? I'm done with this tournament because i'm gonna make my opponents have a bad time but um i, I wish i had some thought. opponents that had done that <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh 
Well, again, very competitive people out are chasing prizes. Be blinded <laughs> to that. But one thing I try to remind myself of is, well, I'm losing, but I am making someone else's day a little better. Someone else's tournament, is, especially after the first round when I've already taken a loss. Okay, maybe I'm clearly on my way to my second loss, but this is the point where maybe my opponent's day turns around. Yeah. Because, hey, they got to win. And it might be the only one they get for the whole tournament. <laughs> and it could also be the thing that gives them the confidence to keep playing and the focus to keep winning. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't think about that mindset in a card game because, oh, it's all random. No, it's not. It's not all random. Yeah. And so, having focus can make a huge difference on how well you play. Yeah. So I guess, what? Uh, be forgiving of your opponent's mistakes, though only to a point, because uh, eventually, it, it, if it's happening over and over, either they don't know what they're doing or they're trying to cheat you. So after a few times of the same exact mistake, yeah, get a judge involved. No need to be ugly about it on your and just. Try to not be the scumbag that makes somebody else's tournament unpleasant. <laughs> and also from a... There's only so many ways to say it, I guess. From another, uh, 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 from the judge's standpoint, I've, I've talked to a lot of people that were judges mm -hmm. for a variety of different games. Um, I had a friend uh, early college that was... Uh, I can't remember the acronym right now. I think it's DCRI certified, mm -hmm. which is the official magic judges that he can... He can oversee tournaments yeah. and everything. And that's something I feel like every big game needs is an official sort yeah. of certification of judges because the L5R judges at the last two Gen Cons were awful. <laughs> but he was DCRI certified, and he took his job very seriously. And one of the things that he told me when he judged tournaments, regardless of how big they were, the number one factor that guaranteed whether he would listen to a complaint or not like how much attention he would pay to a complaint or not, was the attitude of the complainant. If you came to him and you had a bad attitude and you were being a jerk and he had seen you throughout the tournament berating people and you came to him with a complaint saying this guy's cheating, he was going to be a lot less generous and a lot less you know, uh, thorough in his investigation than somebody who he had seen being a good sport playing well with others, being polite, treating other people nicely, when that person comes to him and says, I think my opponent is cheating me, mm -hmm. he's going to be, okay, this person's been super chill this whole tournament, something's got to be going on. Yeah. When he sees somebody who's throwing a fit every game, and that guy comes to him, this guy's just lost his temper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that, that particularly unpleasant player, he uh, also, after our game went and spectated at the last game that was still running of that match, and the player whose shoulder he was looking over the whole time, that was her first tournament ever, and she'd only been playing the game for a couple of months. She barely knew how to play. And he got himself involved in their game and uh. advised her incorrectly about how the rules work and lost her the game because of it. Because there was a turning point where... There was a card ability that went off Well, the window opened for the ability to resolve, and he told her that she had to resolve it, and it caused her to lose the game. There should have been when a judge. It was optional. There, there should have been yeah. a judge that interfered there because that's, that's game interference. Yeah, Fantasy Flight, my one big complaint about their 
competitive circuit is that they're no longer providing their own judges. And the judges that we had this Gen Con were very inattentive, though they did seem to actually know some of the rules of the game because they had a rules book with each of them, whereas the year before, they didn't even know the rules. Nor did they have a printout of the rules reference. That just reminds me... That's a big no-no on my part, is you don't interfere in somebody else's game. Yeah. I remember back when we used to play 40k down at the loft all the time, and there were those guys that would spend an hour arguing over any rule... And they decided they were going to come watch our game and try to tell us how our stuff worked and tell us what our models were. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I was playing Chaos Space Marines, and because my Marines had horns, they were corn. And I'm like, no, they're Chaos Space Marines. Corn guys have a completely different head shape. Are you sure? Am I sure? The owner of my models, <laughs> am I the owner of my models, sure, that I know what they are? And in addition, they're little plastic soldiers. Yeah. They are whatever the hell you agree that they are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, I think that uh, is going to about do it for this episode. Uh, no idea what we'll talk about next time. So... so in the future, just remember, you're there to have fun. And yeah. they're there to have fun. And try to respect them. And if you can't have fun losing, at least try to make it fun for somebody. <laughs> make it fun for one of you. Thanks for listening. Ah, <sighs> 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 <sighs>